Listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Super excited to be here today. My name is Josh Gray. I get the privilege of being the lead servant at this church, and it is a privilege and honor uh, to be able to uh, be a part of this church and uh, get the privilege to lead it as well. So we're diving in. We've only spent 18 short weeks in the book of First Corinthians, and I hope that as you are, you are way more familiar with this book, but we have not exhausted everything about this book. Just because we spend 18 weeks in a book doesn't mean we know nearly everything about it, but hopefully you're familiar. If you are visiting, welcome. We're glad that you're here. If you're joining us online, we're so glad that you're here as well. Um, but you know, when you get to the book of First uh, Corinthians, hopefully you, you have like a, a deeper well to draw on after the time we spent. Now, if you've missed this, you can go spend a quick short about eight hours and get caught up with us uh, on our sermons online. They're all there and they're right there available. And some of them are even worth listening to twice um, because they were so good. And so I I just wanted to, as we're going through this and we're we're trying to land the plane on on what we're doing, like the heart behind this is for us to just get involved in the text. You're not just here to hear a message. You're not just here to, hey, thanks, that was entertaining or that wasn't entertaining. The text will change your life. You have to invite it into your life. So here we are finishing. As I was studying for this uh, message this week, I was reading chapter 16, and I was like, I don't know, it's kind of like a goodbye. Like, what's in there? And I kind of was poo-pooing it a little bit, and the Lord was just like, all right, bam. And I started to fall in love with the way that Paul is exiting this letter to his beloved church. You know, there's over 9,400 words in 1 Corinthians. 9,400 Uh, words in this love letter to a church that he founded and that he loved of advice that he wanted to give. I want you to put yourself in that position right now. If you were to be writing a, a letter to people that you love, that you want them to know everything that's going on, like you're like, maybe you're in, you're in a spot where you, where you're, where you, you might be it for you. Have you said what you want want to say to your loved ones? Besides the fact that they know that you love them, but like in depth. And I remember writing a letter to my son. And I don't know why, but I wanted him to know everything that I thought of him. I wanted him to know everything that I could give him advice about, whether it was ladies, about the Lord, about money, about all those things. And I just poured my heart out over this letter and gave it to him when he went off to basic, sent it to him when he went off to basic training. And I don't think I left anything out. He knows how I feel. And some of the stuff probably isn't accurate or correct or right, but it's where I was. And what if we got in a practice of writing that love letter to your family? Writing that letter to make sure that you're instilling what God has put on your heart for your family as you lead it. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know, grandmas and grandpas, all those things. What about that? Because we don't know when our last breath is. We don't have that appointed time here on this earth that, that I haven't been given that. So what would you say to your most beloved family? You'd say, I love you, but like, what does that mean to you? What's more depth with that? So as we look to the ending here in his first letter to Corinth, 
What do you see Paul doing? We're going to read the, t- the whole chapter. We're going to dive in and out of the text. We're going to read the whole thing. But what do you see Paul doing? I almost skipped this first part. I was like, oh, nobody wants to hear about giving in money in the collections for the Lord's church. And then there were some nuggets in there that I was like, oh, that's cool. Well, that's cool. That's cool. And then I thought, hey, I could do a little giving update too. So it just came up. It just came up in the, in the, in the mode of the text here. Uh, so let's talk about this. Here we are. Verse six, uh, chapter 16. This is now about the collection for the Lord's people. But before we go there, I wanted to go back right before in, in chapter 15. And maybe you guys already read this when you've been reading along, since you know where we're going and how you're going to read First and Second Timothy a bunch, right? Because you know we're going there. Because it matters what you think, not what your pastor thinks. As you dive into the text, because God gave you an amazing brain, studying word and he'll say things to you in that text differently than what you'll hear from here. He'll open your mind to it. But I love this. I was just thinking about this. Where, O oh death, is your victory? This is not in your notes. Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So be it. So be it. Therefore, because you have victory over death. My dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Who gives himself fully to the work of the Lord? Who's he talking to? He's talking to the church? The whole church? I started asking myself that question. Okay, Josh, well, you're the pastor guy, but are you giving yourself fully to the Lord? Because you know that the labor in the Lord is not in vain. Have you ever labored in vain? You did all this work to have it just be discarded or you built a wall and you thought it was awesome and it fell over? Um, or or the, you're like, I did, did that for nothing. Your labor for the Lord is never for nothing. Even if you don't see it, it's for purpose. Now, let's talk about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. Oh, he said this before. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. I think Paul's like taking this out of a contest. He's taking this out of a contest that you're not, oh, well, I'm, you know, Benji likes hymns. You know, you're throwing $100 bills around trying to manipulate the worship pastor of what you want him to sing or those type of things. Have you ever seen that video? No, just me? Okay, cool. Um, Great video, skit guys. Uh, and it's about money and, and, and manipulating money and using money to manipulate in the church and all those things. But I think Paul dives in it right here. He's like, I don't care about the, the big dollar giver or the little dollar giver. It's all within accordance of what God is providing you. Keeping within your income, saving it up. So that when I come, no collections will have to be made. I, even Paul didn't want to ask people for money. No, don't pastor ever likes to do the money talks, just so you know. Um, then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go, also uh, they will accompany me. So what do we get here? What are we understanding about what he's talking about giving and money? So a couple of things. What does this teach us about regular giving? Well, it should be anticipated. It should be thoughtful. It should be planned out regularly. And not just a hit or miss like, ah, I'm kind of in the mood. It should be intentional. It's an act of worship. Like we are intentionally in here worshiping God, raising our hands. Our gifts are intentional. 
about proportional giving. It's not about a contest. There's no gift too small or too large that the Lord won't use for his plans and his purposes inside and outside of the church. When you're moved and compelled to do something, you do it with faith that God provides, whether it's time or money or those things, you do it when you know that God has told you to do it. Even, and you know, when it, a lot of times when it is, it's the hard ones. It's the real hard ones of like, eh, that's going to hurt exactly. That's when the growth happens. That's when you get to see God's faith in action. But it should be planned. It should be in proportion to what is earned. The tithes and offerings aren't meant to be just an emotional issue or a plea from your church or a plea from an organization or the, the, the Sarah McLaughlin dogs on the TV, you know, uh, ASV. That, oh, man, that gets me every time. It gets you every time. Still watching, I'm like, ah, I don't want dogs to die. I should give. Serious. And so, but it shouldn't be just like, wow, just like have a plan, have a purpose. And be part of something that you can be passionate about with your time and your energy and your talents. Quick giving update. We're doing pretty good. Uh, I'm really proud of our church. Kathy was right. Kathy, she's at home. Got a bad back. She was right. She's like, oh, we're going to, we kind of slide off a little bit in July and August. You know, people go on vacation and they take their money with them. And so we'll go backwards a little bit. And I was like, not this year, Kathy. We're not going backwards this year. This year we're going to move. She's right. Um, I'm the eternal optimist. But uh, overall, our church has, has been very faithful. We are, we are meeting our budget, which is good. And I'm really proud of our church. So thank you so much. Uh, we're meeting our budget. Our church is growing. Some of you look around. You're like, hey, who are you? I haven't met you before. These are new folks that are here. Our church is growing numerically. Our, uh, and and we're, we're meeting our budget and doing those things. So I'm super proud of your faithfulness. Thank you so much for being faithful uh, and purposeful and planning in your giving. If you haven't yet got onto that page, I challenge you. The Lord, I don't challenge you. The Lord challenges you to be generous in all things. And with your time, I just did a whole recruiting spill this morning uh, with our little team that was around there. And we talked about the buddy system and that as our church grows, guess what we need more of? Volunteers, places to play. So you, you don't even have to wait. If you're new here, but this is your church, you don't even have to wait to ask. We want, we want you to be involved, to plug in and to love this and be like, yep, I'm here, I'm serve. I don't have to, like, there's no like, there's no time clock. You're welcome. You're in. Welcome to the team. So anyway, cool stuff there. Uh, then uh, verse 5 says, uh, After I go through Macedonia, I will come to you, for I will be going through Macedonia. Oh, you just said that, Paul. Uh, Perhaps I will stay with you for a while, or even spend the winter, so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now, and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. What is Paul teaching us about discipleship? What does it take to build relationship? I don't want to just breeze through, hey, good to see you, bye-bye. Like it's like a Sunday, you know? Like he wants to spend time. He wants to invest his talent, his treasure, his time. He cares. You, You spend time with the things that you care about. Right? Anybody spend time with Netflix? Big Timber. I watched the whole series this week. Man, there's drama in that thing. They almost the tree almost fell on somebody, and the floats didn't work. I was just. uh, (sighs) Then you spend time 
about the things that you care about. And Paul cared about this church and he wanted to spend time with them. Disciples make time. They make time. They're faithful with their resources, all of them. So, and I love this last part. What is Paul's wording? If the Lord permits, teach us about making plans. So here's Paul, this amazing, uh, just, just amazing teacher. And he's still, I have all these great plans, these great ideas. If the Lord permits, what is Paul open to? He's open to change in his schedule. I've been thinking about this phrase, if the Lord permits, putting God's will and his plans and purposes before my very own. I have all these cool things that I want to do in our church, and I have like great dreams, and I can't wait to talk to you guys about it. And we're going to be doing a, a partnership uh, dinner uh, coming up in October. Did we say October? I think it's October. I was looking for somebody who knows. Um, October. And if you're a partner at our church, like you've signed the paperwork, you're going to get invited to this dinner, and we're going to talk about the future, and we're going to, there's so many cool things that are going to happen, and this and this and this and this and If the Lord permits... Am I open to a change? Am I open to his path? And does that put my, my life in the right alignment? I've been thinking a little bit about my alignment and what does it look like to have the right vertical alignment? And as a pastor, would you not expect that God is number one in my life? You should expect that of all Christians, whether they have the title pastor or not. That God is the king he is the number one. He is the director of life. And then my wife, who God has given me, and then my children, and then my extended family and friends, and my job, which is weird because my job is tied into number one. I guess for me, it shows the humility of Paul, the teachability that he has to be moved by God's spirit to change paths or directions. I've been questioning about myself. Do I, do I have this phrase, if the Lord permits, or if it's God's will? Is that coming out of my mouth as I'm making plans? Just a humility piece for me. Verse 8, but I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door has been effective, uh, a great door for effective work has opened for me. Something's really cool is happening here and all kinds of, I got to stay here because it's like, this is what's going on. God's really opened a door here and it's even so much more awesome and there are many of those who oppose me. Wow. Oh. You're supposed to be excited about opposition. Why would we be excited about Opposition. So this piece talked about, uh, as I was thinking about this, recognizing where you see God working and join him. There's a study we've done with some gentlemen here called Experiencing God. Some of you ladies may have done it. It's like you see where God is working and you join him. The grass is always greener where you water it. Like God's working here. Cool. Well, we get to join him. What does that look like? Have you ever met the it's always better somewhere else person? Always like that's the next church, it's the next thing, it's the next, like just waiting for the offense to be gone. I listened to a, a leadership podcast, it was a great leadership podcast, and, uh, and I got uh, inspiration from one of my other brothers, uh, uh, Luther, in here. And it was really moving. It's like, you know, no, no, the grass is greener right where you're watering it. So what does it take to continue to minister in the face of opposition? 
Why does opposition nearly always uh, accompany success? He's talking about this. You know, I'm having great success here. There's an open door and there's many who oppose me. So what does it take to continue to minister when you're facing opposition? It takes community. It takes God's word. It takes God's people. It takes the Holy Spirit to come into you. And we're already warned in James, are we not? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many, many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. You don't get to mature and completeness when you don't have struggles and challenges. Opposition has come because, and here's, and here's the point. Here's why. why. Why is there opposition every time when there's success? Well, there's this thing called the forces of good and evil. There's a battle for your attention. Squirrel. There's a battle for your attention. There's a battle for your time. There's a battle for your money. There's a battle for your love. The cool thing about this battle is that it's already been won. It has been paid for by the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So be it. It's already been paid for. So what's the problem, Josh? We're already in the winner's circle when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. My problem, I don't know what your problem is, but I have a problem. My problem is that I have to remember that. I have to remember that I'm in the winner's circle. I have to remember and continue to accept the fact that God believes in a man like me. That I have capabilities, that I'm not a mistake with a mouth. And neither are you. This morning as I was praying and reading and evaluating my notes, this came to me and it's for all of us. You are a beautiful creation of the creator God who loves, I mean loves, what he built. He loves what he built when he made you. When he made you, he said, Tov me a very, oh, Nick, bam, perfect. Exactly what we needed. That's what we needed. So, yeah, there's going to always be trials that accompany success, of course, because there's a battle. But the battle's been won, and we have to claim that victory and continue to walk through that. Next piece I wanted to jump into here is when Timothy, uh, verse 10, well, he says, when Timothy comes, so Timothy's coming. And we're going to get into who Timothy was next week. See to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am. No one then should treat him with contempt. Why would they treat him with contempt? Why does Paul have to send a warning ahead of time to not treat somebody that he is sending, somebody that he's investing in, somebody that he is a disciple, discipling, to not treat him with contempt? Send him on his way in peace so that he may return to me. I'm expecting him along with the brothers. What is Paul saying is take care take care of the of Timothy take care of my disciples and guess what you are you shouldn't treat any of you shouldn't treat each other with contempt that's sin 
God cares a lot about his people and his creation and he wants them to play nice and work well together. And same thing. So I think Timothy is like this young guy. We have all of our cool young, how many, any college folks in town in the house already? Woo, glad you're here. We have some awesome college folks that are coming in town. Last year, they were treated kind of like garbage. In my opinion, they were treated like they were bringing something into our community and like, stay away from us. And like, you're already going to have a hard enough year and yeah. I rebuke that. That's not this church. I'm not saying we're like the cool, awesome Trindale College Church all the time. Like, you know, we're, I'm a little old. But like, we want those folks to come in here. We want them to fall. I want college students to come into our church and fall in love here and have a place to play, a place to serve, a place to be involved and grow in their faith. And when they leave here, be like, oh man, I don't really want to leave because I love my church. We've had that happen. That should be like a consideration if you're leaving somewhere is leaving your community, not just the job you're going to. But these young folks are coming in and young Timothy is going out to them and he says, take care of them. And here's the thing, with young people in ministry, Logan and all our our younger guys, you you and me, we have to take care of them really well because they might have 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years of ministry ahead of them. And we have the capability to blow them up or tear them, or bring them up or tear them down. We get to grow together. Take care of my disciples. Care for your young leaders. Now about our brother Apollos, I strongly urge him to go to you with the brothers. He was qu- uh, quite unwilling to go now, uh, but when uh, but he will go, and when he has the uh, when he has the opportunity, be on guard. Be on guard. Watch out. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. And do everything in love. That's what I want to say to this church. That's what I want this church to do forever. Is what Paul wanted his church to do. Stand firm in the faith. That doesn't mean that we can't argue and disagree, but we major on the majors. We don't run away when we, oh, well, we don't agree. I'm going to the club where, where they agree with me because then I know I'm right. That's dangerous thinking. Wrestle, wrestle with the text, wrestle with each other. That's okay. Do everything in love, though. Um, Verse uh, 15 and 16, I love this. Uh, 16 says, to submit to such people and to everyone who joins in the work and the laborers at it. You're on the team. You're already picked. He's talking about other people, uh, the household of Stephanas, and uh, and he's talking about these folks and how they they serve the Lord and they devoted. You're already picked. You don't have to ask for permission to serve at this church. You're picked. You're here for a reason. Verse 17, he goes on. I love verse 18. He's talking about Stephanus and these guys. He says, for they refresh my spirit and also yours. Such men deserve recognition. You have people in your life that you, that you should recognize that they are refreshing to your spirit. We celebrate what God has done and how he provides at this church. That's why community is so important. You are not at this church by accident today. He has plans for you, either back where you're going or right here. Talks about his final greetings. 
this is kind of cool, is to understand that this is that we're not the only game in town. There's awesome churches where you guys came from. If you're college students, there's awesome churches in this town outside of us. Like this is a bigger picture than just the name of one church. You're not alone in the work of the Lord. Others around the world in our country and in our state and in our city are showing people what Jesus looks like and we are just to be part of that plan. And finally, Paul writes, I'm, I'm writing this greeting in my own hand. This part, this I'm writing in my own hand. This is me. I wonder if he made that because he wanted to make sure they knew that this wasn't just some scribe writing this and who was interpreting. No, this is my very hand that's writing this letter, this greeting, this last piece of it. This is what I wanted to say. And here's what he ends up with. If anyone does not love the Lord, let that person be cursed. Come, Lord. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus, so let it be. So now what? What do we do with the last 18 weeks of this sermon series? If you've made it through all of it, you've got some time in Corinth. Hopefully it just hasn't been on a Sunday. 18 weeks, four, four people that have taught eight hours of eight or nine hours of sermon on this book since April 11th. What can we learn from this church that he's writing to? How does it apply today to our church as we move closer to the, to the risen Lord? There's a lot in there. Isn't it weird that he writes this, church, this to this church 2,000 years ago and we're like, oh, yeah, ah, oh, me ah, yeah, me too. Oh, I should do, as I'm going through the whole sermon series and going back over, I was like, oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. That still applies today. And it's still going to apply a thousand years from now because people are predictable. And God's love is predictable as as well, that he's never going to stop pursuing you. He's never going to stop chasing you. So a couple things I'm taking away from this. He said, Paul said some hard words, but he says it, to unite people and unite them to the common cause to point to Jesus Christ as Lord, as Savior. Not to, not to, to, to argue about the minors, but to point to Jesus Christ as Savior. He talks about love, 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 love. What does that look like? What does love do? It bears all things. What is, the, what is this thing about love? What kind, of, what kind of love are we supposed to provide out there? Talk about fighting for relationships well and fair. And for us to be bold about Jesus. So we're going to have the opportunity to be bold about Jesus. You're going to have that probably opportunity this week. What does that look like for you? Don't just put this aside as, oh, we got, we got 1 Corinthians taken care of. We don't. We spent some time. And we're going to spend some time in, in, in 1 and 2 Timothy. And we're going to spend some time looking at the basics. Of, we're going to, like, this is the rest of our life is studying God's word and moldiness and being changed by it. But let's unite. Let's love. Let's fight for relationships, even when it's hard, even when we don't agree, even when we see things differently. And let's be bold about introducing people to Jesus because at the end of the day, that's what you're going to care about. That's what you're going to care about. The people closest to you is that they get to be with you forever in eternity in heaven. 
that's, that's worth fighting for. So let's take this time to talk about something that unites us as communion. If you're new with us, and there are some new folks in here, um, we would be more than happy to get you communion to take with us as a church. Uh, we do this, uh, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you're welcome to the table. If you don't know who Jesus Christ is, then this means this is going to mean anything to you. But raise your hand. I got Jay over here, and Ron, we could get, get communion to you. We're going to hold it and all take it together. There's going to be a battle to stay united. There's going to be a battle to stay united. Within our country, uh, within this church, within this body. You have, there's people in here that disagree with you. There's people in here that disagree with me and thank goodness that they do. That's healthy. That's good. That's okay. How we handle that, how we connect with each other, how we work through those disagreements tells us a lot about our, our, our Christianity. Because I certainly wouldn't want God to just discard me out of disagreement. He's a God that fights for a relationship with me every day. And I hope we would do that together as well. So let's come to the table. The night he was betrayed, Jesus uh, held up that uh, bread. He prayed. He prayed and he took the bread and, when he, he, and he broke it and he gave thanks and he said, this is my body. This is for you. Do this and remember it's me. I'm, I'm giving you up and giving up the very essence of me in a human form for all these things that Paul talked about. For all these things that he talks about in his text, he's given it up and we remember that every week. Let's take this together. And in the same way, after he took the cup, saying that this, was, uh, this is the cup of the new covenant. In my blood, whenever you do this, whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me, what are we remembering when we, when we eat this bread and we drink this cup? We're remembering what we're called to, what we're called for, not what we're called against. What are we called for as a community? Let's move forward together as a community as we celebrate what Jesus did for us. Father God, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for the faithfulness of everyone in here. I thank you for how you're moving us. I thank you for this uh, beautiful letter that you preserved and you made available for us to study. I thank you for how we get to study it in its many forms and its many uh, translations. And um, that still through all of that, Father God, you open our hearts to your purposes and your plans. I thank you for Paul. And how he chose to be moldable and to be transformed and changed by you. I thank you for his boldness to move even when he was injured, to seek community, to move forward in a mighty, mighty difficult place for your purposes and your power. So Father God, I just uh, ask that same thing upon us here, that we would move forward in a mighty way for your purposes and your power. And I say this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.